You're listening to audio from Ascend Church. For more information about Ascend or to access more gospel-centered tools to grow as a disciple of Christ, visit ascendkc.org. I want to talk to you. We've been singing songs together. We've had some great transitions where Ken has led us to focus on some aspects of what the cross accomplishes in our life. But I just want to talk to you, just you and me right now. You ever feel like life is a roller coaster. Like one day just things are going so well and all the lights are green and then it just seems like in the next moment there's traffic jams everywhere in your life. Life is a roller coaster is often those times when God puts someone in your life who is just stable, just, just even keel. And when you're on the roller coaster, when you don't have eyes to see it, that, that person who's even keel can sometimes be frustrating. But the reality is, is that even keel stability is exactly what we need. God has designed us for stability. And you know, I think the cross can sometimes be like that even keel person or that person of stability where... You know, every year we celebrate Good Friday, and it can kind of ah, be a little frustrating. Like, we've sung these songs before. I've sung about forgiveness. I've sung about nails and justification and atonement. But you know, God has a way of grabbing our hearts, even in the roller coaster, to share with us exactly what we need. And it's often in a still, small voice. For me, as we were singing those songs, it was righteousness. That word righteousness. Man, how many times does it come up in Scripture? How many times do we talk about it as Christians? And yet, my wife was showing me just the other day that the word righteousness and justification in the Greek are the same. And one aspect of that understanding is all of the requirements have been fulfilled. And I was thinking about that, that we, through the blood of Jesus Christ, become the righteousness of God, that we are viewed by God as fulfilling all of his demands. How in the world? Well, through the blood of the cross. What a great reminder that is to me, and I pray something that we have sung, even though you might have heard it time and time again, has served to be a still, small voice, and wherever you are in your roller coaster to provide stability. Father, I thank you for the rock that is Christ. I remember in the Old Testament, so many times your saints would pray and reflect on that aspect, that he is our rock. And they didn't have it all understood. They didn't understand the the fullness of redemption. But they knew enough to know that you and your character and your promises are sure. They are stable. They are a rock. And so I thank you that no matter how many times we have celebrated Good Friday, that the truths of the cross are stable. They continue to be there. They are unchanged, and they are exactly what we need and what will satisfy us. Would you expand our understanding as we consider this story revisited and Take it, and if there are people that are here or are watching online who are unsaved, would you use this time this evening to open their eyes, to replace their hearts 
of stone with a heart of flesh? Would you take people who have experienced that salvation and move them forward to becoming more like Christ? Would you take individuals who are beginning to grasp the gospel and see it lived out and played out in their thinking to realize that the gospel is for more than just them? It is to be shared with others. It is to be poured into others through discipleship. Would you multiply mature believers through what we do tonight? The only way that prayer can be even asked is because of the cross. And the only way we can know that there's power to answer it is because of the cross. Grow us in our affections for Christ as a result of this reflection, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I looked at this LED wall and looked at all of those pictures and thought to myself, it reminds me of a picture book when we were growing up. I love picture books. You can flip the pages and without even knowing how to read, without even looking at the words, you get a sense for what the story is about. That's what these pictures do as we reflect on Good Friday. But what's interesting about the pictures is you see that the pictures convey more than just the cross. And in so doing, it reminds us that as human beings, we, we love stories. We, we know as we grow that stories begin to have these common denominators. They begin to have certain rhythms, don't they? They have a hero. There's, there's seemingly always a hero. And the hero is in the story to be able to solve a problem or make something that is evil good. We love stories like that. We especially love stories where there's some sort of twist. And so what, what I want to do tonight is I want to take the greatest story that was ever told and revisit it. But what's amazing about this story is it's not a story that is intended simply to entertain It's not a story simply for us to understand the beginning and the end and everything in between. What's unique about this story is that it invites, no, it requires you and I to respond. This story, the king's story, is an opportunity for it to jump off the pages of the book and to place us in the center of the spotlight in order for us to respond. I want us to see four aspects of the king's story tonight. I I want us to be able to understand where does the cross, where does the event that we are celebrating tonight, where does it fit in this greatest story that was ever told? And it begins by focusing on the king's story. We know the story, don't we? I mean, I'm trying to be mysterious, but you get it. You know what we're talking about. But do you? I was talking to a friend this last week, and they were sharing that they were, they were making some things for their kids, and, and one of the things was having to do with Easter, and it happened to be a cross, and the child didn't know what the cross was, and asked my friend, well, what is that? And their response was, I need to go and search on the internet to be able to understand what this is, and, and that's not something for us to take lightly. Friends, there are people all over our communities. There are people even tonight that as we talk about the cross, you, you might know about the symbolism. You might have seen it before. You might even know the concept of Jesus dying on the cross, but do you understand the King's story? 
The story is the greatest story ever told, but it had one purpose. In fact, even as I was driving in this evening and I was looking at the clouds and looking at the sky and looking at the trees and the grass and the people that are driving by and walking by and enjoying this beautiful weather, I began to reflect on the king's story and ask this question, what is the purpose of all of this? This is one of those questions that human beings ask. This is one of those questions that seems to confound the the smartest professors. And yet the answer is simple. Because the story tells us the purpose of all of this is that God in his sovereignty decided that he wanted to dwell with his people. In fact, you can write that down and wow people at your next party. You can ask them, do you know why all of this exists? Do you know why I exist? Do you know why creation exists? And the answer is God decided he wanted to dwell with his people. But it wasn't just that they wanted to live together. God wanted to dwell with his people so that they would worship him. Sounds a little self-serving, doesn't it? I mean, if I was to say, I I would come up with a story, and the whole purpose of it is so that everybody involved in my story would worship me. That sounds a little self-serving when we don't understand the variables. If in that story, I am equal with the people in my story, then that would be self-serving. If in the king's story, the king and his people were on the same playing field, it would be self-serving. But the king has no limitations. The king has no weaknesses. And while his people have tremendous capacity, we're not equal to him. It's interesting And when you think about this concept of worship, this is what we were designed to do. You ever seen a movie where somebody is under the water and they've been under there for a long time and the bubbles are starting to get few and far between? And they're starting to have that panic on their, on their face, and they're starting to get to the point where they're almost ready to pass out, and they're, they're, they're scrambling to get to the surface, and they finally get there. What do they do? They keep holding their breath, don't they? No. <laughs> they take a deep breath, because that's what humans are made to do, to breathe in oxygen. Friends, the king's people were created to worship him. And so God in his mercy, the king in his mercy and in his providence created us to long for exactly what he designed this all to be, to dwell with him and worship him. The problem was, remember the limitation, his people were weak. And they got lost. You know, we sing about being lost. We talk about being lost when we talk about the gospel. And sometimes I think that that just simply means that we are, we are distant from God. We are uh, in our sin. But, but I think this is a better way to understand it. God created us to dwell with him. In order to dwell with him, we would be right with him. But what happened is in the Garden of Eden, we got lost and we could not find our way back. We could not get back 
to dwelling. And no matter how hard we tried, no matter how great our map was, we on our own, it it was impossible for the king's people to get back to the king to dwell with him. That's the king's story. That's the big picture. But thankfully, the king had a plan, which brings us to number two, the king's shadow. The king's shadow. The king decided to create a subplot. And this subplot was actually a subgroup of people. So the king decided to make all of these people longing to be dwelling with his people who would be worshiping him, but then his people got lost. And so what he did is he created a subgroup of people. And the subgroup of people had two purposes. The first one we're going to focus on here. The second one we'll focus on in just a minute. The the first purpose that the king had for creating the subgroup was that they would provide an example. And it's really a fascinating story. The subgroup of people started out as a family, a rather small family that began to grow and grow and grow. And it takes a lot of food to feed a growing family. And all parents of teenagers said, amen. And as the grocery bills piled up, the famine came on. And so the family was in trouble because this family was a farming family. They were an agricultural family. And so when there's a famine in the land, food is going to be scarce. And the family continued to grow. And so they had to go somewhere where they could find food. So they traveled a long ways away and arrived at a place where there was food. And for hundreds of years, the people of the land and the king's people got together very, very well. In fact, the rulers of the land were favorable to the king's people, and for hundreds of years they lived in harmony, but there was a problem, is that eventually one of the rulers of that land looked around and said, this, this family, this, these people are getting too big, and I'm threatened by them, and he decided to enslave them. Now, this slavery wasn't like a British butler. The slavery was Horrific. And we had some atrocities in our country's history when it came to slavery. This was worse. Generation after generation came and went of slavery, of the king's people being enslaved, unable to free themselves. And finally, the king said, enough. But here's the reality. When the king said enough, he understood that there's a ruler of the land, and the ruler is powerful, and the ruler is not going to let the king's people leave without a cost. And so the king decided that he is going to free his people, and the cost was going to be someone had to die. The king decided that someone had to die, and that death would be enough to be able to free the king's people from the ruler of the land. And so he decided that every family, every house in that land would have the firstborn son die. That's a pretty tragic reality. Imagine in this room, If every family, every household had the firstborn son die, we would have a lot of deaths tonight. 
But the king is gracious. The king is merciful. And he decided that as he sent out his executioner into the land, that if he came to one of these households, if there was something on the doorposts, that executioner would pass. And that something was blood. And in this story, the blood was from a lamb. And so that night, the executioner came. Stopped at each household in that land. Looked at the doorpost. No blood. Firstborn son died. All the way from servants to the ruler of the land. But what's amazing is that the king told his people his instruction. And so as the executioner came to household after household of the king's people, the executioner found the blood and passed on. What an amazing reality is that the next morning, this ruler who had refused to let the king's people go had a death in his own house. And his prince, his heir, who had become ruler of the land, was dead. And that was enough for the ruler to let the king's people go. You can imagine the king's people celebrated this and told this story generation after generation after generation, which leads us to number three, the king's sacrifice. The king's story was that he wanted to dwell with his people. The king's shadow is that he, grew, he, he created this subgroup of people who would provide an example. But then that leads us to the king's sacrifice. And so over a thousand years, the king's people told the story and retold the story and had a holiday to celebrate the shadow of the sacrifice. But what's interesting is that through those thousand years, people began to realize, wait a minute, this shadow, this example is actually about a person. It really isn't about the subgroup. It really isn't about that event so many years ago. All of that was intended to point us to a person. That person arrived, but in a very unexpected way. Don't you love stories when a king is around his people and disguised? And you know the king is there, but the people don't. And then finally the king reveals himself and brings victory. Well, that's what was going on as we advance in the story. The king was not easy to be seen because he was born in a very unroyal fashion. He gathered around himself friends and followers who were not the usual suspects. His life did not have fanfare. Still, he claimed to be king. In fact, many of his followers began to call him king. But they expected him to throw off the disguise and do what so many stories promise. What was interesting is that the king chose an unexpected tool, a tool that not even the people of the land would even use the word. In fact, do you know that since the tool occurred in Christianity, 600 years passed before we saw the first artistic expression in a positive light? In fact, 100 years 
after the king chose this tool, the only experience that we have to see art depicting this is the one I'll ask the team to put up on the screen. This is from around 200 AD. It depicts a man with a donkey head on a cross and a man below that cross kneeling in worship and the caption reads, Alaximenos worships his God. This was completely unexpected, the Roman cross. And of course, we would do well to linger in the details of the nails and the blood and the crown. But here's what I want us to see when we think of this story. This is the blood on the doorpost. You see, the king always required that in order for his people to dwell with him, someone had to die. But the blood on the doorpost was not an ancient lamb. It was the son of God, the king himself on a Roman cross. This blood determines whether or not you are king's people or a person of the land. Which brings us to number four, the king's summons. On this Good Friday, tonight, on April 15, 2022, you are summoned into court. But not as a juror, you are on trial. And the opening statement reads like this. This story requires a response. Just like the people of the king in the garden got lost and could not find their way back, just as the subgroup of people of the king were enslaved and could not free themselves, so you and I are in a place that requires blood. The only blood that can be shed is not our own. The only blood that can be shed is not some famous person. The only blood that can be shed that the king will accept to dwell with his people is the king himself. I would invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. The king has decreed in his story that in order for you to be his people, you must have his blood on your doorpost. If the angel of God right now was looking at the doorpost of your heart, is there the king's blood? Maybe there's evidence of something that looks like blood. Maybe you're trying to maybe come to Good Friday services as an expression of the blood. Maybe you're trying to do good things for other people, and that's commendable, but the angel does not accept that. Friend, the only thing that will allow the king to say, you are my people, is his blood on your doorpost. But it's not just simply listening to a message and agreeing with it. It's not simply going through some religious exercises. It is you in your heart declaring that this story is true. You in your heart declaring that you need this blood, that you are lost, that you are enslaved, and the only hope for you is the cross of the king. 
See, he has died. He has shed his blood. And he is offering it to you to put on your doorpost. You do that by turning from your sin and asking him to forgive you. You do that by believing that this story is true, believing what the Bible says about you, about God, and about a relationship with him. You do that by surrendering the throne of your life to him. Would you do that tonight? You may not have all the answers. You may not be able to answer all the scenarios, but if tonight you understand this simple truth, will you surrender your life to Jesus tonight?